Hey guys, and welcome once again to another episode of the Nitrogen Podcast. It's, of course, as always, it's me, Marvellous Mark Ashworth, and it's uh, Brian Bradshaw over there. How's it going today, Brian? Yeah, not too bad. You're sounding a lot better this episode. I'm feeling feeling a lot better, feeling a little bit giddy as well, um, and I'm very excited about what's to come in this WCW timeline. Of course, we did miss our usual uh, upload date, which would have been last Saturday, but instead we've uploaded today, because last Saturday... Well, it's a weekend of a lot going on in the world and we decided, as we put on our social media posts, to take some time out and just spend it with the people that we care about. Uh, took some time, just put the phone down, you know, and just, just chilled out with uh, with our nearest and dearest. Uh, I know you did over there, Brian, as well. Um, yeah. Sometimes it's, it's what we need in life. Yeah, uh, for me it was obviously a lot more personal. I'm not going into that on the podcast itself. If you follow me on social media, you know the ins and outs of what's been going on in my life recently. Um, but yeah, it was just opportune time for us just to sit back, take it easy, relax a little, just spend time with our loved ones. Yeah, re-energise the batteries as well. And of course, everybody out there, if you're listening, we hope you're doing well. We hope that you weren't part of what turned out to be a worldwide watching event in America uh, that we absolutely do not condone whatsoever there was just ridiculousness from from start to finish uh, it was quite embarrassing really and just hope you're all well and safe and that you're going to enjoy this episode of the Nitrogen podcast which is going to cover Nitro number 38 from Asheville North Carolina it's the Asheville Civic Center which had an attendance of 4500 people at capacity going down on the I almost got that wrong then the 3rd of June 1996 I almost put the 6th of March 1996 because of the old American format. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> so we're, we're far away from March. Yes, indeed we are. Um, <laughs> the commentary team, obviously, now that we're in two hours, starting with Tony Schiavone and Larry Zabisco, and then later on going to Bobby the Brain Heenan and Eric Bischoff. To start off, we have uh, a couple of dark matches, which are Medusa defeating Bull Nakano and Medusa defeating Akira H- H- Hokuto. Medusa getting two matches just randomly out of the box there. And beating two absolute badasses as well. Yeah, it does. It does detail that the second one was by disqualification. I have no details in, in no match reports or anything like that, unfortunately. It's very hard to find match reports on dark matches from WCW. Um, it does beg the question as to why they signed Medusa in the first place when she's appeared on Nitro probably twice. And Yes. Appearing. She hasn't been a figure. No, no. So not really using her at all. She's dumped the WWF Women's Championship in the trash and nothing else of not. I guess yeah, part of that's it, gone down to Sherry being fired. Possibly, yeah. I was just actually about to bring that up. Like We saw her for the wedding of Colonel Parker and Sherry and they had the, the match the natural after. That's it. I don't, yeah. I, I, don't, I don't recall her being on the show at all since then. No, she, she, I think she did wrestle the pay-per-view after and she wrestled... Um, Colonel Parker, but I think Colonel Parker won by a, a disqualification or something like that. Oh, fucking hell, career over with then. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> just uh, just bizarre to sort of just bring somebody in and, and not use them, which is something that the WWE do quite often now these days anyway. <laughs> Maybe not this year due to a pandemic, but still swallowing up talent and just not using them. Yeah, it's just uh, uh, another thing to add to the list of things that WWE do that can be credited to WCW originally. Yeah, That's definitely one of them. Yeah, we have gone through a, th- a few of them as well, and there is a there is one that we're actually going to detail on a forthcoming episode, which is going to be a special watch long episode of the Great American Bash upcoming 
in a in a few weeks, I will say, because I'm not entirely sure of the date, but we have that one in the bag and it is ready to go. So without further ado, we'll get into the Nitro that is um, preceding that Great American Bash watch along. Just keep your eyes peeled for that and we'll have more details on the next Nitrogen podcast for you. First up, we're going to see a singles match here, which is going to be, uh, well, it's going to be Shark coming out, but also getting an interview right at the beginning at the entranceway with mean Gene Auckland. And he details that he's going to be going by John Tenter now, that he's not a shark, he's not a fish, and he's not, what was the other thing? He's not a tsunami. He's or not a tsunami. Some, or, no, he's not an avalanche, sorry. That's the one, yeah. Sorry, he's from Tsunami. Yeah, but think... John Tenter is not from Tsunami. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it made me chuckle say, hearing him say, I'm not a fish, and I'm like, really? <laughs> you don't look like one. You know, no. it, it's, they're saying it's a shark, but he looks more like a whale to me. Oh, man, shots fired. Wow. Yeah. Shut uh, a break. Uh, uh, <laughs> this interview is weird, by the way, because they're really trying to sell the, the hair shaving by Big Bubba. Yeah. And the thing that... It, it's the Burbage one, Gene. He, he basically says... That's a mo- one of the most disgusting things he has ever seen. Like, it's just a fucking haircutting gene. Yeah, he said something like it made me physically sick. Yeah, like, do you go past barbershops, Gene, and just go like, oh my god, what the hell's going on here? Just Is that fifty dollars an hour? Oh my god! <laughs> like, I lo- I fucking love that promo. I really do. Yeah, so do I. <laughs> it's, it's, it's jump when the sign falls. Yeah, that god that. Damn. That's why he's bald. He's not naturally bald. He was just sat in the barber's chair. They just started shouting like, "Whoa!" Well, that's that's what I was gonna say then. Actually, that, maybe that's why it makes him physically sick because he actually hasn't got hair to speak of. Yeah, he's just got the tash and the hair at the sides, and that's pretty much it. Yeah. But yeah, just a it's just a hair cutting, guys. I mean, Eric Bischoff did this on the last episode as well. Like, it, it's just a hair shaving. Yeah. Right. It, it's it's nothing. It, it it's not like taking the mask off in Mexico. It's it's just shaving her. It, yeah. it, it at the worst, it's embarrassing. In in a cer- in a certain w- in certain ways, depending on the person, it might be embarrassing. You know, you might like your own girl and you don't want your hair short. You know, like CM Punk. You know, you could sell it like uh, something like that. Mm. It's not a disgusting act. It, it's really not. And I don't I don't know if it's the same in just to just to come away from that. I don't know if it's the same in America as it is over here, but I, I know for a fact. A good few years ago, somebody threatened to cut my hair off, like, and they were semi-serious about doing it. So I actually researched on the internet, uh, and it turns out that it is actually assault if somebody cuts your hair without your authorization. So, and you can get up to three years in jail for it. <laughs> Fucking hell! So there you go. <laughs> right, that's the UK, though, isn't it? That is the UK. I don't know if it's the same in America. If it I, was the I, same we... in America, then Big Bubba is going to jail. Yeah, and uh, so is a fucking. Uh, the cast of Jackass because they they had that trend, didn't they? Just going around and just shaving people's hair, like yeah, and waxing as well, yeah. Oh God, fuck Weird. that! Um, apparently, there's a new Jackass in the in the works, isn't there? There's a new film coming out. Really? Yeah. I mean, I how heard many? That, yeah. How many films is that now? This would be the fourth one. Is sure? Eh? Yeah, the fourth. Like fourth proper Jackass more. one. Obviously, they've had um, Bad Grandpa. Was it? Ah, yeah, they, they, they had those feature films type things, yeah, yeah but uh, no, just, I've got nothing against them, don't get me wrong, but, you know, it's, it just seems like there's more films, uh, more Jackass films than there actually is. 
Mm. You know, I, I don't know why that is. It just seems like every few years is a new Jackass film to me. And I, 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 I could be completely wrong. I mean, if it's four, then it's not every few years. That, you know, but yeah, I used to love Jackass back in the day, though. Yeah, I'd I, 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 I be intrigued to see how it's yeah. uh, received now. I don't think it's a 2021 type, uh, type of film anymore. No. The, the concept is long dead, but... Yeah, Especially uh, for wrestling fans, and we, we know everything about CTE injuries and everything like that. You're, just, you're going to be looking at unprotected I don't know, crutch shots or whatever on Jackass and be thinking, that's one hell of a fucking concussion, that. Yeah. And, and it's any wonder that Dirty Sanchez didn't really uh, go anywhere. They, they, they had their series and then that was it. <laughs> you could imagine them in 2021 still doing the shit that they did back in, what, 1999? <laughs> yeah. It, it just wouldn't work. Like, yeah. it, 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 it was just the, the time, the 90s, the late 90s and the early 2000s, like the Jerry Springer era is what I call it. Yeah, where yeah the car crash it, stuff, yeah. Yeah, car crash TV and, the, you know, shock jocks and all that, yeah. It's just something that hasn't really aged well. But, yeah, I can still go on YouTube and look at a compilation of jackass stunts and I, I'll have a titter, you know, just a little chuckle to myself and all that. But, like, I'm not going to just go out and, and say, oh, I watched this... I watched this video on YouTube yesterday with Jackass compilation because I imagine that people are just going to go, dude, come on. It's 2021 now, mate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, th- and that's what, you know, this isn't a Jackass podcast, guys, but, you know, <laughs> he, he, he's, brought up, he, he's brought up Jackass 4, fucking 5 or 45, whatever the fucking film is now. But, like, just in a roundabout way, my, round, my point is that I don't think it's going to go down well. No, not at all. I've got to say as well, Jackass is the reason why I'm a him fan, so I have a lot to thank him for. <laughs> as you said, like 1998 or 1999, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Good times. Anyway, back to Shark. Uh, <laughs> or, sorry, John Tenter, as he wants to be called now. Yeah. Um, I, my, my description of this, ma- this match is Shark, uh, John Tenter versus Big Bubba. So, yeah. Uh, th- let's not make that mistake. Yeah, well. <laughs> I mean, the only thing I've really got to say about this is, is that I found it weird that Bubba still had shark shark's hair from seven days ago. Like, did he yeah. put it in a little sandwich bag and keep it keep it you know in his pocket for the next seven days, like every day, making sure he took it out, put it on his bedside cabinet, you know, and, and just like I don't know, just looked at it before he went to sleep every night. I don't I don't know. It's just really fucking bizarre. But then they were throwing right. it around in the ring and and just yeah, it's all over the map. Someone check on Gene. <laughs> He's there with sellotape trying to put it on his head. <laughs> Got a weird comb over next week. We know why. Yeah, like a ripped up ten pound note. It's like shit. Fucking there with tape. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's not much to detail from this. I, I, I did put that there's mentions of Vader and Johnny B. Bad in the USA Today ad for WCW, but Tony Schiavone says that they don't wrestle with the big boys anymore. Oh my. Um, Tenta defeats Big Bubba by count out after one minute. Uh, Bubba just goes out of the ring and walks around. That's pretty yeah. much it. What what really got me is that in the midst, the midst of this match, let's not call it a match. It's a fucking angle. Yes, but, definitely. <laughs> yeah, the match was was an interference into the angle. <laughs> yeah, well, Tenta picks up the scissors, which are still on the fucking mat. Like that is really fucking dangerous, guys. That is, yeah. I, I know you want to try and get this angle over, but leaving the scissors in the ring is a little bit too far. Yeah, it just. It only takes like one big slam and those scissors just to go flying up in the air. And like, let's face it, you got it's John Tenter versus Big Bubba, both big burly guys, and that is a possibility that that could have happened. Like, yeah, ooh, yeah. Uh, unsafe work environment, guys. 
Well, it could have been. <sighs> or or an Anderson will just fly out and just take him. Oh, fucking hell, yeah. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> fucking hell, he's sitting on... I'm glad sitting on the roster yet. <laughs> no. uh, next up, tag team match. Uh, the faces of Fear and Meng and Barbarian versus High Voltage, who are Kenny Chaos and Ruckus. Uh, yeah, two highlighter pens about to be put out of use here. <laughs> Good shout. Yeah, they, they were colourful. Um, two from the power plant, obviously we know uh, which two are from the power plant, and two getting a good push away from the Dungeon of Doom. Uh, oh, they're from the power plant. Is that why they're called high voltage? Are they like the top tier talent? Yeah. So they give them, you know, yeah. Good, good shout. Um, <laughs> everyone here is a big boy. Oh my. That's the second oh my, and there's plenty of them going through my notes today. Uh, just as an FYI as well, my notes are a bit iffy now because I lost my notes initially because my phone died. <laughs> so I had to redo my notes. Uh, so these are a lot less detailed than the previous ones were, and I almost cried. So continuing on, uh, there was a delicious drop kick halfway through this from Meng, uh, which was contained in this match. I thought it was pretty good. Uh, a good showing from both. Faces of fear dominating high voltage, taking all the moves well. Uh, in the end, the faces of fear, Mengum Barbarian defeat High Voltage, Kenny Chaos, and Ruckus in three minutes and twenty-three seconds with what Tony Schiavone called a army kick. Was it? He called it a mafia kick. Mafia kick. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. I can't Wait. see Meng being in a mafia. He's, he's he's just he's a gang to himself. That lad. I can't see the mafia using kick as a maneuver. No. <laughs> like, it makes no fucking sense on both ways. No. Like, could you imagine, like, uh, I'm trying to think of a Mafia person. I can't think. Jimmy Conway, Jimmy Conway. I'm a fucking big Goodfellas fan, and I couldn't think of actual names. Like, Jimmy Conway, could you see him just like... Oh, actually, that's a bad example, because he actually literally stomps a, a person to fucking death in Goodfellas. <laughs> that's the worst. Where, okay, Henry Hill. Henry Hill didn't kill anybody, you know, but I didn't see him kick anybody in that film. You know, I saw him, you know, uh, uh, pistol whack a person, and that's pretty much as offensive as he got in the film. Uh, yeah. And notoriously, he never killed a person. So, no. yeah. Long story short, Mafia kick makes no sense. No, it doesn't, no. No. Um, but, yeah, unfortunately, you glossed over what was a pretty decent match. It and was. It, I mean, in the middle of this match, um, there is a fucking huge super belly-to-belly from the Barbarian on uh, one of the guys. I can't remember which. <laughs> you know, just... <laughs> It was fucking amazing, and yeah. the crowd just leapt off their feet onto their feet. It was so fucking good. And at this time as well, Larry, Larry Sabisco, that is. I just call him Larry because I, I always forget how to spell his surname, so it's <laughs> it's just Larry. Uh, Larry, uh, there's one for the impractical jokers fans out there. Uh, yeah, he, he, he as he's performing this belly to belly, he's discussing merry-go-rounds and gold rings. Something completely lost on me. But he says, ah, here we are. This is the person that uh, Barbarian chucked halfway across the ring. It was Ruckus. He says, Ruckus might not get a gold ring. Maybe a six-foot-long box. And I'm just <laughs> like, no freaking shit, mate. <laughs> that move could legit have killed the guy. Yeah. yeah uh, I thought, I thought move-wise, it was bang on. I th- like I said, the, the opponents took, took the moves really well for guys out of the power plant against two stiff motherfuckers in the faces of fear. But the yeah. faces of fear, they didn't put a foot wrong either. It was, it was no. a surprisingly good contest for two people who've never wrestled on TV before. Yeah, um, it was a glorified squash match. And as far as squash matches go, it was a really good match. And yeah. I've got to say, like I, I was pretty critical of the faces of fear and Meng in particular at the start of this podcast. Like, you know, I I think I said at one point that Meng's offence wasn't believable. It did look a little bit soft. Yeah. He's laying the fucking shit in now. <laughs> and so is Barbarian. And it's 
honestly, they're becoming one of my favourite tag teams. We've got two matches in a row that we've had from these guys, and I've spent most of it going, ooh, ah, fuck. Like, <laughs> just, oh, I, I love them so fucking much now. Yeah. Just a complete 180. Great yeah. team, great team. Meng listened to you and got in his DeLorean and went back to 1996 and said, you, you need to lay shots in more. <laughs> yeah. Next up's going to be a promo, which is going to be a bumbling Lex Luger with a cocky attitude oh, to Mean Gene God. about some yeah. footage that he asked for. This just cringeworthy. Why do we keep putting Lex on a fucking microphone? I know yeah. Bischoff didn't like him, but fuck me. Yeah, mumbling is the correct term. Is like, but it, Gene says, let's take a look at that footage. And then Lex just mumbles his way through it. And then he goes, uh, are we talking about some footage here? It's like, fucking hell, Lex. Did you not have your Weetabix this morning? Like, pay attention. Yeah. <laughs> he said, let's look at that footage. Like, he's sort of wrapped <laughs> up in his own world, isn't he? And he's, already, he's trying to think about his promo because of how bad he is at him. Uh, yeah. And I'm, I'm presuming it was recorded, but we're not actually looking at the footage. So Lex is just... He's kind of broke that wall a little bit, hasn't he? Oh, is it, are we talking about the footage that I uh, that I requested? I think he said something like that. Yeah, um, and, and then he actually does save it pretty well because he just... He really just adds a little bit of angst into his voice, which just makes all the difference, and he just yeah. gets the point across. Like, but the first, the first start, the first half of that promo is just him half asleep. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, and just as you said, he kind of rescues it a little bit. I've just noted down that next Lex says Sting was in a big match, a big match Sting. I just why, why are you repeating <laughs> yourself? Uh, Sting says uh, the Steiners have an argument here. Wait. Obviously. It- I actually miss that. He just said Sting was in a big match, a big match Sting. What? what is he fucking doing a haiku? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, fucking hell, Lex. Lex again bumbles through this second bit before Rick and Scott come in and say Lex cheap shotted Scott, but Sting says that he would do the same if somebody was going to suplex them. Well, it's going to suplex Lex to the floor to save Lex. Scott then takes over. And I don't know what happened after he says, and Lex Luger, you get with mess with me. Well, I'm pointing <laughs> at you right now. I'm going to jack you in the ring if you get me hot. <clears throat> jack you in the ring if you get me hot, huh? Oh, my. <laughs> I completely missed that. You know, I mean, it is a problem with Lex Luger. I just turned off after, you know, after the first couple of mumbles. and like, oh, you're on your own, mate. You, you even... Know, s- I- I, I, I just let him get on with it. Like, you know, he saved it, he got a little bit angsty, and then it's like, okay, this is good, but I'm not actually taking any notice of the verbiage. And then the standards just come in, and there's a big scuffle, and that's all I got. Oh, man, no. That I completely. You even Went said, over my head. You even said when the Steiners came in, you were looking forward to some Steiner fucking Scott Steiner promos. Just one right here. That last <laughs> bit, jack you in the ring if you get me hot. Like, wow. I know it's post watershed, but fucking hell. Uh, anyway, Mean Gene uh, sort of runs away and then comes back and says, I'll never interview any of you guys ever again. <laughs> yeah, like, fucking hell, Gene. I love Angry Gene. The thing is with Angry Gene is that he just says the most innocuous shit that no one's going to be threatened by, uh, but he, he just he just sells it so well. It's like, you know, I'm never going to interview you guys again. Like, <laughs> what the fuck? Like, like an old granddad, isn't he? Like, but the thing is, you're thinking like, put your toys away. Yeah. <laughs> like Gene, I don't care. Like, if you don't interview him, then somebody else will. Just whatever. Yeah. Uh, next, next up, we're going to see a singles match, which is going to be Sergeant Craig Pittman versus uh, Disco Inferno. Uh, Craig, Craig Pittman's come down with Teddy Long, player. Um, yeah, 
We've not seen Disco in a fucking while on that show. No, neither have um, I. You know, neither have I. Well, we have neither, not. No. Neither have I. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you said I've not seen different Disco. things, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you said I've not been, and then it just like clicked straight after. Fucking hell, I didn't have my Weetabix this morning. Can't you tell? <laughs> <laughs> Channeling your inner Lex Luger. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm, I'm just gonna for the rest of the podcast. I'm just gonna talk like this and just act like everything's boring and just nothing's interesting me anymore because uh, I'm Lex Luger now. But yeah, <laughs> that was actually a good Lex Luger impression. Yeah, uh, you, you were way too, way too co- coherent though. Yeah, you gotta yeah, bumble it. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta stutter. Like if I if I if I try to mumble, I just got and that just sounds like a parody of a parody of Lex Luger to me. <laughs> Well, you know. yeah. As, what, as what, said, I need, what I need to do is when I'm cutting a promo is just try taking my t-shirt off and struggle. You know, <laughs> that, that's the best Lex Luger uh, promo I've ever seen. Have you ever seen that? Yeah, of course I have. <laughs> yeah, I, I, your silence is quite deafening. I just say uh, like, no, no. Um, yeah, as we said, the uh, not seen Disco in a while, and it looks like we might not see him a while. Uh, longer because he, he he takes a loss before Pittman locks in his submission saying I give up uh, yeah. he says his hands are too important to do like the dancing I don't even know what you call that but the hand jiggy jiggy dancing uh, I, I called it the arm worm but then again that doesn't sound right that's uh, quite descriptive though to be fair yeah uh, but yeah not a match again not a match no. It, no. it was just like one and done uh, it I did laugh at the finish, to be honest with you. The crowd were fucking dead for it, and I hated it initially. But then when you see Disco's face, he's really selling the, the cold red. Yeah. Like before, he, he didn't get sell, he didn't apply it right away. He's just selling like the potential injury he could have had from it. And then he just cuts to the camera and does his arm wearing thing, saying, Yeah, I, I quit because I couldn't do this. Like, that's more important. You're a fucking wrestler, for God's sake. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, the only thing 50 I- that was given. Yeah, the only thing I really noticed from this was uh, Pittman had a dinner plate around his neck when he came out. Did you see the size of that fucking medal? Yeah, fucking straight out of catering. Yeah. Bizarre. Yeah. I don't even know what the fucking point of that was, to be honest. No. Next up. (laughs) (laughs) Next up, we're going to go to a break with a promo from the main event, uh, which I think Tuesday night main event, I think it's on, where uh, William Stephen Regal, I'll get it right one day, Says he'll make an example of Sting and then backhand chops him right on the neck. Uh, oh, that's brilliant. Nasty. And then yeah. straight after, as we come back, we're going to go straight into Lord Stephen Regal, who's coming out with Jeeves versus Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Oh. At the beginning of this, um, Regal says, You wonder why this country is in such a state? Look at this old cow. And proceeds to, to, to point a, a, a rather inbred-looking Carolinian in the crowd. <laughs> Actually goes over to her, says something about his boots, says something about the uh, rafters, and then says, you old bloody cow. <laughs> <laughs> what a hero. Yeah. <laughs> we, we, he's, he's going up into the ring. There's a, there's a lot of time wasting in this, to be fair. So I did, I did skip. I did kind of 10-second skip it quite a lot. Yeah, um, I, I'm just going to say this. I've got very little about this match as well. Just like, uh, the only thing I really noted of worth was that, uh, for some fucking reason, the fans just love Jim Duggan, and I can't understand why. All he does is, what he goes around the ring, shouts, USA, USA, 
Oh, just like that's his gimmick. That's all he does. Mm-hmm. And when the chips are down and he's struggling, he tries to fucking do you know hit hit them with a the, hit his opponent with a two by four. It always fails, so he just taps up his fucking wrist, uh, taps up his hand, and like, how does that look worse than a fucking normal punch? Someone yeah. please explain this to me. It's like I could I could understand if like he had a foreign object underneath the tape, but he's literally literally just taping up his hand, which says to me that he hasn't thought this through. And Larry Zabisco, you know, even he, he agrees with me, you know, uh, in hindsight, in, in retrospective. He, he even says if Regal back, backhands this idiot, he'd forget it happened. His IQ was a single digit. No fucking shit. <laughs> He's trying to hurt his opponent with sellotape. <laughs> and the fans just love this guy. And I don't know why. Is it just patriotism gone wild? I think that's what it is. It's just, yeah. You know, Patriotism on steroids. I, I've got nothing against Jim Go- uh, Jim Duggan. I've heard countless interviews with the guy. I can listen to him for hours. He is such a lovely guy. But you know, when he wrestles, he's decent enough. But his gimmick is just so shit. Yeah, yeah. It, it to to call eighties would be a compliment. Mm. Well, what I've got here is USA chance is still boring. Uh, lots of showmanship yeah. for the first couple of minutes. Three clotheslines and Regal is out for another minute. Hacksaw with some punches, kicks, and a backdrop. The Blue Bloods are out. Just as Hacksaw looks to wrap it up with a two by four, but Dave Taylor takes the two by four from him. Hacksaw goes with a tape fist, hits Robert Eaton, but allows Regal to get a schoolboy roll up and a three count. Lloyd Stephen Regal with Jeeves defeats Jim Duggan. Four minutes yeah. twenty one that was given as well, and yeah. there must have been probably six wrestling moves, probably six strikes, but a shitload of time wasting. Yeah. And that's a shame for a Regal match. And the Regal time wasting was actually entertaining, I will, I will say. But it's yeah. like, you expect a lot more from him as well. Yeah. Um, I, I just think Jim Duggan is past it. And it, there wasn't really a lot to work with. So that's why there were a lot of time wasting. Well, you know, you haven't given any other match any pa- uh, any longer than two fucking minutes in this show so far. There would have been no harm cutting two minutes off this match. Um, no. And, uh, yeah. Um, I, 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 I do have one more thing to say is that when Dave Taylor tries to take the 2x4 off, uh, well, he said, I said tries, he actually succeeds in taking the 2x4 off Jim Duggan. Yeah. Uh, Tony sells it like it's a fucking crime. He's like, he was about to fucking cheat, mate. What's <laughs> the crime? Why are you angry about this? You should be calling Jim Duggan out for this. Yeah. I'm pretty sure Larry Zabisco does as well, so it agrees with you again. It's just like, it was about to cheat. Mm. So after the match, Mean Gene goes in with the Blue Bloods uh, and obviously interviews Regal primarily. He says that he's paid double the fine WCW gave him, so he's in credit to WCW, and it's now time for everybody to listen to him. At which point, Mean Gene just pulls the microphone away and says, let's have a look at some footage. (laughs) (laughs) They roll the footage again from main event, which uh, while somebody, I'm presuming it's Dave Taylor, is screaming in the background, get the police, he's gone crazy back there. Why? Regal says that he wants Sting at his very best when they meet at the Great American Bash coming up in a few weeks. Um, and as we did said, you actually, we, go on. Did you actually take what he said? He goes, I want him mean, I want him nasty, and I want him downright bloody rude. <laughs> Ooh, matron. Oh my. Yeah, yeah, it is very homoratic show, this one, isn't it? It is, yeah. And it's not even like going to end there, to be honest. I've, I've written I, it again, I know I have. Um, yeah, see, he's <clears> just think. When he said mean, nasty, and downright bloody rude, I'm like, I'm pretty sure there's a fucking song there. And <laughs> fortunately, the closest I got was Bad Guy by uh, uh, Willie Eyelash. Uh, Billy Eyelash for people that actually listen to it. I call it Willie Eyelash. Willie uh, Eyelash. 
but you know, you know, and it doesn't quite work, you know. So you're a mean guy, some kind of nasty guy. Like I, I don't even know the lyrics to that fucking song. It's just got uh, a catchy tune to it. I give it that, but yeah, it, it doesn't quite work when it's William Regal and boys, you know. Stephen Regal, sorry, it's WCW. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, uh, very weird verbiage by Stephen <laughs> Regal. Very weird. But yet, it works. And I don't know why. This is one thing with Regal. Like, just no matter what he does, it works. I mean, I've watched a video of him slipping in condiments. And he's like doing, he's slipping in condiments for like a whole fucking minute. <laughs> like, he's just there, like, you know, slipping, going, oh my, oh, ow, oh. And it's like the most entertaining thing ever. But if that was, say, uh, I don't know, just, I, I'm thinking of over comedic wrestlers here. Uh, if that was Santino Morella, it wouldn't hit as hard. It oh. wouldn't just, it wouldn't be as funny. He's just, he's a parody of us as Brits. Yeah. You know, is it a parody of the stereotype? That's what it is. And it's so fucking good. Yeah, it is. And I also texted you the other night as well as, uh, as, well as saying, like, uh, you never responded to this, by the way, but the Blue Buds theme is fucking amazing. It's so British. Like, again, it's like a parody of British culture, is that theme. And I, I don't really talk politics, you know, Brexit, what have you, fuck it. It, it, it is what it is, like... But it's we as a nation do not play the Blue Buds theme when we actually can go out on the streets and celebrate leaving the European Union if that's what you want to do. You know, we're not doing Brexit right, guys. We're really not. <laughs> play this fucking theme. It's so good. So are you saying if there's a street party on your street or in my street, we simply have to get the uh, boombox out and play that theme over and over and over again? Fucking boombox? It's bloody 2021, not fucking 1993, mate. You know, I'll, I'll just... <laughs> I'm in my studio looking at, like, hundreds of vinyls <laughs> don't tell me what year it is <laughs> yeah but vinyls are hit these days boom boxes are not again see now boom boxes might make a comeback you know once once we're all skint you know we, we might need boom boxes because that's what you uh that's what you carry around with you don't you when you're skint apparently yeah but what we're not gonna have fucking cassette tapes back surely i don't know they're coming back they're coming out as well that new evanescence oh, album that's on that's on uh cassette what i don't get it is, either what the fuck is going on with this world seriously you go backwards to go forwards, you see. There's no originality anymore. Yeah, you go backwards to go forwards. That's fucking literally what a t uh, cassette is. Like, you know, you go backwards just to fucking play it all over again. Like, <laughs> yeah. you have to literally wind it back with a fucking pencil if your brain box doesn't work properly as well. Like, yeah. uh, I, I'm, 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 I can get on board with the vinyl, but the cassette tape can fuck off. We've, yeah. we've had so much convenience these days. The fucking vinyl is more convenient than a cassette tape. Okay, you're not going to get a Walkman with a bloody vinyl in. You know, you're not going to get that. But in terms of, like, home listening, like, a vinyl is more convenient than a cassette tape. Yeah. You know, it, it, you can get back to the beginning of the vinyl in a split second time compared to a cassette tape. Yeah. You can even yeah. go back to a certain track if you're listening to an album, can't you? You can more or less go back to the uh, beginning of the track. Yeah, you can time it perfectly as well, mm -hmm. yeah. Like yeah. You, if you if you know that vinyl well, you know where to put the needle. Yeah. yeah. Um, guys, have you heard this amazing thing called Spotify? <laughs> Get with it, please. Right. Set it. I've got Fuck to off. disagree because Spotify only pay 0.0001 pence to an artist every time a music, uh, an MP3 is streamed. Okay, that's sad, but okay, if, you, if then... you buy the vinyl, you buy cassette tape or whatever, at least the 13 quid is going to the artist. Mm, okay, fair enough. 
But yeah. it's not much of a convenience, is it, though, is it? Like, no, well, that's mm-hmm. that's the reason why Taylor Swift um, took all her music off there, and there's a couple of others that have done that as well. I'm surprised Metallica haven't actually. Oh, uh, there's time yet. Uh, <laughs> there is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, they, they've got a lot of thinking time in the pandemic. Surely, at some point, Lars is going to be like, "Hold on a minute, we're not getting anything from Spotify." <laughs> Fuck, you know, we'll take them to court because we're bored and old and angry. Yeah. <laughs> Oh dear. Uh, right, so going back into this nitro. I'm taking uh, pot shots at everything. I'm taking pot shots at one of my favourite fucking bands. <laughs> well, we go- <laughs> After that, uh, we go to a break and we see a thumb. And then on on a return, we see a thumb again. Uh, apparently, he's going to be facing off against Chris Benoit, Great American Bash. Uh, I wonder where you're going with that. And then I forgot that I actually called Kevin Sullivan the human thumb. That's what we're going with. <laughs> yeah. Um, the thumb in this video package keeps wearing Hogan's bandanas. Yeah. And then there's going to be a singles match, which is the thumb versus Prince Ikea. Sorry, I, I nearly I just fucking blanked on his uh, blanked on his name there. So this is a, a debut or a natural debut for Prince Ikea, who's going to stick around until the demise of WCW. Um, it's going to be given one minute twenty two, whatever. Uh, Jeans in with the thumb, whatever. Yeah. Oh, by the way, Kevin Sullivan won, and Prince Ikea like an absolute fucking jobber. Yeah, you know, jabber, yeah. Jabber. sorry. I, I, you know, he, he didn't even look good. He didn't look good at all. Like, you know how The Rock, uh, when he when he debuted debuted at Survivor Series in 1997, 96, one of the other. You know, he, he was under the Rocky Maya persona, and he had that weird fucking chest dress, and uh, he, he looked just awful. Like, Prince Ikea just reminds me of Rocky Maya here. Like, he's yeah. got a, he's got a proper jabroni haircut. He's not wearing boots, which honestly is something I absolutely hate in wrestling when a wrestler doesn't wear boots. Like yeah. if they're if they're wearing nothing on their feet, like okay, for certain characters like um like Umaga, it works af- aesthetically. But I'm fucking more worried about you hurting yourself or hurting your opponent with that. Yeah. You know, just ask Rusev, sorry, Miro, because he really hurts his ankles for not wearing boots, which is why he started fucking wearing them. Mm. You know, I, I do not like that. So, Prince Ikea, I've heard nothing but good things about him from Eric Bischoff. Not off to a good start here. Just doesn't look right. No. And, you know, and to be honest with you, this match, Taskmaster, Kevin Sullivan, the human thumb, whatever you want to call him, he did look pretty good for such a short match. You know, it's probably as fiery as I've ever seen him. Which is very, very weird concerning that... Uh, sorry, concerning considering that... He's been trying to kill Hulkamania for months now, nearly a year. He's been trying to kill Hulkamania. And as fiery as ever got was in this match. Mm. Taking it out on this poor fucking jobber. But, yeah, as far as squash matches goes, it it was a squash match. (laughs) As far as squash matches go, it was a squash match. (laughs) I can't even give it a compliment. You know, I can I can give Kevin Sullivan the compliment saying he was fiery at least, but it oh brilliant. It it weren't good. Well, next up it's gonna be a twenty minute tag team match. Uh, the four horsemen, Arn Anderson, who's in red and black, and Rick Flair who's in red with Miss Elizabeth, who's in red and woman who's in black, versus the Rock and Roll Express, who I'd completely forgot were in WCW at one point. Um Ricky Moore. Wearing red Robert Gibson. Oh yes, there is a lot of red in this. Um it's Nitro's colour after all. Flair comes out wearing Green's NFL gear and Arn is wearing McMichael's. Uh, there's a move in the ring just as they started. 
and then uh, they take a break as $28,736 worth of fireworks go off for hour two as we welcome Eric Bischoff and Bobby the Brain Heenan to commentary. Uh, <laughs> but but uh, on, yeah. on struggles to take off the NFL jersey as well, which I've missed off there. Uh, yeah, he had a woman helping get it off him. Yeah. Uh, by, by the way, I've given Mongo and Kevin Green a tag team name just to make it easier. Uh, I've called them Mongreen. Mongreen. Good show. Yeah. Okay. It, it, it sounds like gangrene, but less lethal. Mongreen. Uh, <laughs> you know, because Mongo's one half of that green, so... But I'll, actually, no, that is way more fucking lethal. I, I've seen some clips. Uh, thank you, <laughs> Mongo and friends on Twitter. I've seen some very nasty-looking clips from fucking Mongo. It's probably he's worse than gangrene. Jesus Christ, he, he, he's a legitimate fucking threat. He's a legit, the most scariest wrestler I've ever seen in my life. He's that dangerous. Yeah. yeah. And if you if you're genuinely looking for a recommendation for Twitter, that is the one before it gets taken down which unfortunately has happened to a, a good number of accounts that we follow and liked on uh, Twitter. Unfortunately, the WWE is on some sort of uh, mission to eradicate anything and everything that is WCW on the internet. Shit, they're going to come after us next. Let them fucking try. Oh, fucking... Yeah, we're not WCW. No. You know, we're not We're not that. We're Northern News. It's WCW, guys. It's yeah. not the same thing. You know, We're not talking about your intellectual property here. Fuck no. off. Yeah. Pricks. <laughs> so later on into the shit, I'm gonna have to change the logo. No, I, 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 why? Seriously, because it's a literal natural logo. <laughs> if, if they come after us for that, you know, I'm I'm legit, legitimately gonna tell Vince McMahon to his fucking email. Fuck off. Hey, look, it, it's ours now. Us. It's ours. It's like somebody said to at WCW Worldwide. Give them a follow. They're well worth it. Um, it's like somebody said to them, "Well, you're now big enough to be on the WWE's radar." they come after us then i'm taking that as a positive as far as i'm concerned <laughs> they can have uh, we'll send them a free hoodie i don't care <laughs> can you imagine? I'll, I'll taunt them with this right seriously can you imagine the bloody images of vince mcmahon wearing an Gen hoodie in his fucking gym like that. i'll photoshop that fucking image i don't give a fuck check instagram yeah, please do. <laughs> or, that, or, or that mirror image of uh, vince mcmahon you know the mirror selfie that he took where he's flexing have you ever seen that i don't think i've seen that no uh, okay, right. Uh, I'm gonna have to buy up. Uh, buy? No, I'm gonna have to find this image and I'm going to send it to Mark. Okay. And this is a live reaction. Uh, so, being smart, man, mirror selfie. And I'm pretty sure this is legit as well. It looks so fucking legit. I've seen this shared around. Well, he's not actually flexing, but. The... When's that from? I honestly don't know, but. Uh, oh, Reddit. Uh, six years ago. Six years... The fuck kind of phone is that? <laughs> six fucking years ago. Fucking hell. It's like a Nokia 3330. Oh, no, it looks like a Motorola to me. Like the Motorola flip phones. I don't know. Who the fuck's he sent that to? Trish Stratus? I wouldn't be fucking surprised. <laughs> You weren't going to Linda. Let's fucking let's be fucking serious. No, it's, yeah, he sent he sent that picture to uh, Trish Stratus with a caption, "Bark like a dog." <laughs> wrong, bizarre, very very wrong. Proper puffing but, his chest out. Fuck off, Vince. To delete that as quickly as possible. Yeah, felt cute. Might delete later. <laughs> <laughs> 
Okay, so yeah, uh, as I was going to say, this is nearly 20 minutes long, so I'm not detailing every fucking move in this. You've absolutely no chance. Um, no, um, it, it's literally like uh, going to any care home and there'll be some, there will be a fight in one of them at least. If you just spent a day just going around the uh, care homes up and down the country, you'll see some angry old people fighting and that's this match, unfortunately. Well, uh, well one, ha that, one half of this match. I, I didn't mind it. I thought it was all right. I suppose it, it is no, like any fight in a curl. You, you just kind of sit there and watch it. Yeah. It, it's like there's nothing spectacular about it. No. You know? And it, it's it's a shame because the Rock and Roll Express look like shit. They yeah. really do here. Um, I, I actually noted that uh, Ricky Morton looks better now than what he did in 1996. You know, so he's had 25 years. He was on AEW last year, and he looked great. He looked absolutely fantastic, and somehow his hairline has not receded one little bit from there. And he's balding here, you know. <laughs> and people can turn around and say, "Oh yeah, he might have had a hair transplant." What to get the same balding fucking hairstyle? <laughs> no man on earth would do that. Trust me, I am a man. <laughs> To avoid no man would do it. Line. Yeah, it, it wouldn't happen. He's already got receding hairline, and it's just exactly the same. Oh. Uh, but yet he looks in shape. He looks healthy for his age, and yeah. I'm nothing. I'm nothing against the Rock and Roll Express. You know, by all accounts, they are lovely guys. And fucking hell, I'm seeming on the defensive about these '80s wrestlers tonight. Like you know, they're they're all lovely guys. They're all very giving. Uh, you know, they're all not, but you know, <laughs> they're from, all nice. From, but fuck off. <laughs> yeah, but from what I know about the Rock and Roll Express, they're very giving. I mean, fucking Ricky Morton took a stage bump last year, for fuck's sake. I can't remember who it was from, but he took a stage bump, and at, at his age, holy fucking shit, mate. Yeah. You know, I, I, I give him the jury, but they don't look great here, and matches, it's alright, but it's mainly because of the Four Horsemen. Yeah. Like, there's, there's nothing spectacular. The best thing that the Rock and Roll Express do in this match is a stereo figure four, and that's it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was a, it was a, a standard, capable match, wasn't it? It's, it's something that's yeah. going to get a standard rating, but like yeah, so it's, it's, it's down to the horseman. Yeah, it's all, all about getting uh, people, people hearing that, oh, yeah, the Rock and Roll Express are on WCW. There are going to be people in 1996, like, oh, fucking hell, there's going to be people in 2021 that will still tune in to see the Rock and Roll Express, but, yeah, you know, I, I've never really got the gimmick, to be honest with you. The, the finisher is a dropkick. And I love a dropkick, but that's not a finisher. Unless you're fucking someone like Hardcore Holloway, you could sell that as a finisher. Mm. But the Ro uh, Rock and Roll Express here, in their, what, 40, late 40s, 50s, mid-50s maybe, doing uh, a double dropkick as a finisher, it's like, yeah. Yeah. It, it just doesn't work for me. No. So... And this match goes on far too fucking long as well. Yeah, 20, 20 minutes. Nearly 20 minutes is just way too long for this. Um, Bischoff asks... Although, to be fair, they do... They do spend two minutes letting off all them fucking fireworks, don't they? Uh, Bischoff asks Heenan while while they're fighting in the ring if he's the manager of the Horsemen coming up at the Great American Bash, but he declines to comment. Uh, both teams take the heat for a couple of minutes before Rock and Roll Express get double figure fours, as you've just said, or, which actually gets a big pop from the crowd. Arn yeah. irakes, allowing Flair to escape his figure four, gets up and shoves the referee and gets shoved back twice to com <laughs> comical effect, and the fans absolutely love it. Yeah, Flair never gets old. With, yeah. <laughs> Flair with a tantrum to the outside, <laughs> again shoves the ref, but sells for the ref's return. <laughs> On the outside, the referee. Gets <laughs> I love when this happens. It's great. Yeah, this is why Randy Anderson takes naps in the ring. He's saving all his energy for when he's facing <laughs> Ric Flair. And I mean literally facing Ric Flair. When Ric, when Ric Flair is in the same ring as him, he's got to come back 
fucking swinging. It is so Ugh. fucking good. It break, uh, uh, we, we go to a break as it calms down. Right. Uh, Did you catch, as we came from back from the break, Eric Bischoff's commentary? I don't think I had. I right, there's I a had. there's a sequence of moves by Ricky Morton, and I think it's Arn that's in the ring with him, and Eric runs through the moves like he's a horse race commentator. <laughs> I mean, literally, he's playing fucking catch-up. For this this match is not fast. He's playing catch up with the moves, and he's running them down like a fucking horse race commentator. What the fuck is all what about? I'll tell you what I'll do is I'll take a clip. I'll, I'll I'll take a I'll record a clip of this, and as this episode goes out, I will post a clip of this commentary. It's so fucking bizarre, but yet it's so good because he does a really damn good job of it. For you to say that, for for you to actually say that in this recording. It must have been like it must be something worth listening to. It was impressive. Yeah, um, I skipped. I, I've got to be honest. I, I, I skipped a lot of this match because I realised uh, when I got the results, which I paced first and then I put the details <laughs> in after. Um, I realised it was nineteen minutes, and I thought, "Fucking hell, I need to skip a lot of this." Yeah. Uh, but for, for the bits that I did see, I think I saw about ten minutes of the eighteen fifty nine, which which it was given. Uh, that's why I say I, I didn't mind it, but. Yeah, uh, quite a long match, like like I just said then, which I wasn't expecting from Rock and Roll Express, to be honest. Uh, good ten. Uh, the contest ended as Morton has Fleur in a belly to back, and woman rakes the eyes. Arn delivers a DDT to Fleur, and the uh, <laughs> delivers a DDT to Fleur. What? Arn delivers a DDT <laughs> for Fleur to take the points, as it were. The four horsemen yeah. defeat the Rock and Roll Express in eighteen minutes and fifty nine seconds. Right. For months, we have seen woman take advantage of ref distractions to help her team win a match. We've seen her use the shoe. We've seen her use cups of coffee. This was by far the most effective uh, use of woman ever, you know, ever since she's appeared on on Natural. Because, you know, Gibson's only got one good eye and she (laughs) went for the eye rakes. You know, if she used the shoe, you know, she would have won that fucking dodgy eye bingo. She, it's... I, I, that's my takeaway from this match. Like, I just chuckled. He's like, he's got one good eye, and she did an eye rake on him. Like, good on her. That is really fucking effective. Yeah, you know, that yeah. is proper wrestling psychology. Yeah. And I bet nobody in the world, nobody else in the world, picked up on that but me because all I saw when Robert Gibson came out, I'm pretty sure that's his name. I keep forgetting his name. But Gibson, when he came out, was like, fucking, no, he's got a dodgy eye. That's all I could take away from him. This is what I mean when when I say they look like shit. They're both balding and he's got a dodgy eye. And these were apparently with heartthrobs in the 80s. I do not buy it. Fucking hell. I do not buy it. The bar was low on that one, Brian. Fuck me. I don't buy it. Jim Cornette (laughs) says they were absolute heartthrobs and the women loved them. Why? Why? Arnold Schwarzenegger was a heartthrob in the 80s. These two... I, I don't buy it. I really don't. And who am I to judge them on their looks? I just don't buy it. Sorry. No. After the match, uh, Gene is with the horsemen at the VIP table. Uh, Bobby Heenan joins them and shares the champagne with them as well. Owen says he's too big. Oh my. Flair says uh, the shirts were a gift from Deborah. He makes another Debbie Does Dallas joke. Yeah, again, it's like we're spreading Mean Gene way too thing because he's asking why Owen is wearing a Mongo football jersey and I'm like, mind games? Yeah, it's and obvious. Then, and then he asked, where did Flair get the Kevin Green jersey? Fucking Sports Direct. Where else is... <laughs> he's going to buy it, of course. 
If it's not a gift, it's gonna fucking buy it. It's not. These are not hard hitting journalist journalist questions, Mean Gene. Yeah, it's not fucking a creative way hell. to set up the reply, is it? No, it's fucking crap. Um, you may as well just give them the microphone and let them do their own promo. They don't need asking questions. Yeah, exactly. Mean Gene, like the amount of times you come out tonight, it's like you write better material for him. Come yeah. on, he's an absolute yeah. legend. Right, better material for this guy than, oh yeah, uh, you get that jersey from Sports Direct or JD Sports. Because <laughs> that's literally what this fucking interview is. Yeah, I will right. say one thing about this. It's like, it's obviously, we know that Ric Flair is incoherent at best. You know, he, he, he basically, he says something about doing a Coupe de Gras. Yeah. But it sounded like he said Coupe de Bra, which in context... <laughs> Actually, still works. Yeah, yeah, it does. <laughs> coupe de bras. So the coupe de bras, if you like, was uh, Bobby the Brain Heenan. Oh, not de bras, de bras. De bra, Well, yeah. Oh, yeah, de bras wouldn't work, would yeah. it? Because it would be a bra. Um, no, coupe de bras. I mean, yeah, coupe de bras. He, he's, been, he's been falling over de bras for fucking weeks now. I mean, it, it makes just as much sense. Yeah. If not more sense. <laughs> and anything after that, I was was gone because all I was doing was laughing at that like Coop Deborah. <laughs> well it's Heenan Ugh. essentially or at least he hopes it's Heenan um, but Heenan says that he's not going to be the manager of the Horsemen at the Great American Bash which to the dismay of everybody around uh, Mean Gene Oakland there but he pulls out a briefcase and an award in it is from 1988 where he managed a dream team of NFL players in an exhibition match I had to google that because I had no fucking clue what he was going on about uh, but he says he will coach the Horsemen because he actually said he will never manage in wrestling again, so they tried to swerve it with it. And to be fair to to Heenan as well, he, he cut a he cut a really good promo. He, he, I think he he slipped up once, but it was a very quick one. Yeah, um, it it was very weird. You know, like, like I said, I spent most of this just laughing my head off, literally just laughing <laughs> my head off that I just see him pull out this trophy and he's all the all Madden trophy, which I did a Google search of. And I didn't get anything about Bobby Heenan in that. So your your Google searching abilities are a lot better than mine, Mark. I got fuck all. Yeah, like, you know. What? I I thought it was legit, legitimately just a you know creative license from Bobby Heenan here. Like he may as well have just said like I won this Oscar and it would have made just as much sense to me. Uh-uh. Even though the trophy doesn't look like a fucking Oscar, it just looks like a like it's just a slab. Yeah, it's a it's a really awful looking uh, award. Yeah, um, it, it's not appealing aesthetically. I had to actually. So where Google says it gives you, well, it gives you the search results, but then it'll tell you at the bottom or say at the bottom uh, must include Heenan, for example. So I clicked yes. must include Heenan, and it was the second result down. And it's like a footnote essentially. It just talks about this John Madden All Star NFL game that he was the manager of. Um, coach, yeah, said, not manager. Sorry, coach. Sorry, my bad. Um, well, we, we call them managers, don't we? So. Fuck! It's just all fair. Oh yeah, it's like certain clubs that call them coach because we have to be fancy. Yeah, like, fancy. Um, no fucking manager, come on. <laughs> Next up, we get to see a metaphorical Hogan blowjob video. Um, it goes on uh, for approximately three minutes, and it's literally just WCW saying, "Here's Hulk Hogan, and he does awesome things, but he doesn't." Yeah, yeah. Hogan Yawnfest is what I called it. Well, yeah. Hogan Yawnfest number two because of one earlier in the show. There was also yeah, a, another. Yeah. There were also another uh, Glacier promo. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it says uh, Glacier is coming. So that's what the white stuff is, huh? Oh, my. <laughs> I, I thought it was snow. <laughs> the more you know, I suppose, eh? 
Uh, next up, WCW World Heavyweight title match. Not the main event. Uh, the Giant with Jimmy Hart, who is the champion. The Giant, not Jimmy Hart. Uh, versus Ice Train. And it's over. The Giant wins against Ice Train in 27 seconds. Straight up. <laughs> oh, by the way, we glossed over the incredible uh, uh, closed captions. Because oh, yeah, worth, of course. Yeah, yeah, back, yeah, back yeah from, go for it. Because back from the break, Eric says the odds are stacked against Mon Green, as I'm calling them, because the brain is back. The caption says, the brain is back, Miss Elizabeth. <laughs> you know, right. honestly, like, this really should have made me laugh, or this should have made me mark out. It fucking pissed me off. <laughs> it, re- it pissed me off. Like, you've got to understand, like, a guy whose name... Brian, B-R-I-A-N, like, as a kid, getting Christmas cards from my fellow classmates, and nine out of ten of them saying Brain and not Brian, hell, I still get that to this day, people spelling my name as Brain, which should be a compliment, (laughs) but, you know, it's like, come on, spell my name right, and now I actually, for the first time in my life, see it in reverse, somebody's nickname is Brain, and the fucking caption said Brian, (laughs) it's... Not that hard to distinguish the two. One is Brian, the other is Brain. Listen to the pronunciations. How the fuck do you get that wrong? You're a professional caption guy. You know, as you said, Mark, earlier today, fire that fucking caption guy. He is useless. Coming soon on a (laughs) t-shirt. On the store, when we actually get round to putting it up, but it is gonna be there. <laughs> yeah, it, it, when you when you actually when I sent you that screen cap and you sent me, you know, fire that indistinct caption guy. <laughs> well, you didn't say that. I said that. You said fire indistinct that fucking caption guy or some shit like that. And I said fire that indistinct caption guy. I actually made the t-shirt. I made it. I I, I I had to get on my computer and make that fucking t-shirt. Yeah. It's gonna be a t-shirt, guaranteed. Oh dear. Um, so next up sorry it's not a next up really because there's something that happens straight away so the giant attacked Ice Train before the bell rang apparently and Norton has come down he's saying he didn't he's really mad at the giant like he's gonna he's giving him a real ticking off um, <laughs> for the giant attacking Ice Train before the bell even rang so Norton gets two chalk slams for his troubles the giant runs everybody down in a promo to Mean Gene saying he's eliminated them all and says Hogan is well out of the picture but that Lex is the one that he wants to eliminate the most of all I thought there was a good promo, and I did think that all of this, even though it was 27 seconds of a squash, actually made the Giant look really good, especially when it's Ice Train and Scott Norton that you're wiping out because they're two big, burly, beefy guys. Yeah. I I, could, I completely disagree with you on this. Do you? Because, uh, yes, we, we've seen the Giant look good on a weekly fucking basis now, which is all fine, it's, it's, it's all good stuff, but you've got this up-and-coming tight team, you know, in Ice Train and Scott Norton, Fire and Ice, you know, which we have been enjoying... And this is what they get, where they could have actually had a proper decent match on this show. They yeah. just get completely chumpetized by the giant, just yeah. for the sake of making the giant look stronger yet again. I mean, we we fucking get it. The guy is seven foot fucking tall and five hundred pounds. Like you do not need to use two legit badasses in fi- uh, firing ass. Ice Train and Scott Norton to make him look strong. <laughs> it doesn't underscore anything to me. You could have just firing ass. <laughs> yeah, I keep saying that, don't you I? Do. <laughs> <laughs> I've got to say that I, I was first... wondering why the fuck you were laughing at me then. I'm like, yes, <laughs> like, I, I, mean, I haven't said anything funny. Firing uh, ass, man. Firing <laughs> ass. 
Uh, <laughs> at first, I, at first, go on. <laughs> as he's doing that promo, I agreed with you, right? Because I, I, I really dig Scott Norton at this moment in time. I'm fucking, I'm sick of seeing the Giant now because we know he can't do a match. But I think that's yeah. part of the reason why they've done this now is they've realised the Giant can't really do matches, so we need to pack things in around him to make him look good or make him look feasible. Yeah, and, and, I, and I get that, but it's just like it's you're doing it on a weekly basis, and okay, that's all well fine, but you just basically jobbed out a fucking decent tag team here just for the sake of getting the giant over it. This does absolutely nothing for these guys. You know, yeah. I think you, you've got all these guys in the power plant you could just do that with. You've got these guys that you're not even fucking using properly or using at all that you could do that this with. You know, you do it with fucking Sergeant Pittman for fuck's sake. I mean, he's a big guy. You've got clearly got nothing for. Do it with him. You know, yeah. it, it sells it. It's, it's the same effect. It's the exact same effect. If it's Scott Pittman, uh, Craig Pittman, sorry, and Scott Norton on fucking ice train, it's the exact same effect. It's just a big guy that you can just chalk Sam and win. It, it, what really pees me off the most is that we had Jim Duggan have more of a match with fucking the Giant than ice train did. Ice train just got a chalk slam. Yeah. It, this is a thing, it's like, it does nothing for these guys. And yeah. I know it's not going to harm them in the long run, but it's like, you've got this show which is full of fucking squash matches, and these guys are involved in one of these squash matches where they could have been the squash, uh, squashers rather than the squashies. Yeah. You know, just do something better with, these, with them, is what all I'm saying. Hmm. The talented guys, put them in actual matches or just in squash matches that make them look good. Don't put them in a squash that, make, that effectively makes them look bad. You know, it did. It, it it does way more for the giant than them two, and I know that's the point. But oh, it, it just really annoyed me. Like yeah. as I was saying, that's the it's reason a why. Piss push, piss push your so far, and these two could have been doing something on this show. Yeah, that's why. As I was saying, like that's why I said that it made the giant look really good. And I was your point there. I was I was in complete agreement until the end of the next match. And that's what changed my perception on it. So we go straight into another match, which is Scott Norton versus Hugh Morris. But obviously, Scott Norton's just taken two choke slams from the Giant. Um, oh yeah, they they completely undo that work. Yeah, uh, let's add that add to that. Yes, um, Morris uh, has Sullivan's eyebrows on, which you notice when he's walking down, because obviously yeah. Morris is going to take the advantage and take the three. He's going to take the pinfall. It's as simple as that. Even though you know Norton really has to be on his feet for the referee to actually start the contest. But again, this is WCW, so fuck it. Yeah. Takes advantage of Norton still being on the ring mat from Giants Chalk Slams, and he basically takes punishment until, uh, sorry, Norton takes punishment until Morris goes up for a moonsault, and then Norton starts to come round again. Uh, yeah, actually attempts to catch him, which he fails at, which I'm glad he did because if he catches him after all that fucking time of taking punishment and taking two giant chalk slams, it's just like, fuck me, that's a bit okay. But yeah. it actually plays into a little bit of realism that he's actually still fatigued, he's actually still hurting, so he completely fails at catching Morris from the moonsault. He lays Next in some seriously stiff-looking shots, uh, forearm shots to Morris, chokes him, uh, and the referee counts it as a pin. Yeah. So that, Scott Norton defeats Hugh Morris in 1 minute 51 seconds. Yeah, that, that, that finish was piss poor. You know, oh, yeah. I mean, understanding, understandably, yeah, it fails to catch something you saw, and I completely agree with you with that. Like, yeah, it does add to the the after effects of the two chalk slams, but then it, it just gives him four arms, chalks him, wins. Like, yeah. why? You need something big to finish it, don't you? You need either yeah. a top rope move, or you need to just get him up and put a finish on him and just fucking yeah. slam him back down again. Yeah, there's no wonder the fans were fucking dead, because that was not a finish for the fans. It was finished for TV, and even for a finish for TV, it was shit. Mm. Like, 
pathetic. I think that wasn't the finish. No, I think it was, it was meant, meant to catch him, weren't it? Yeah, it was meant to catch him and probably do the tombstone because that's seemingly what everyone fucking does on WCW. I've realised this lately. Like everyone seems to have a fucking tombstone. Like I know, I know you're taking part shots at WWE, but does Sting need a tombstone pal driver for a finisher? Because I've seen him do it once, you know. And I know it becomes Mongo's uh, one of Mongo's finishers. Mm. Or one of his setup moves, or some shit like that, and I'm pretty sure I've seen like five or six other people do it over the course of this this podcast now, and it's like, okay, yeah, if you did the Tombstone Power Driver there, I would be happy with that because it would have been much better than that fucking wet fucking cloth finish that we got. Yeah, uh, it's definitely an audible, I think, but yeah, who knows what and not to with. and not a good audible. No, do better. Um, Come on, guys. So yeah, getting uh, giving Norton the win, even over Hugh Morris, I thought uh, it, it it kind of takes back everything that the giant did to him. So yeah. and uh, also, Ice Train doesn't get anything out of this, but no. Scott Norton does retain a little bit of credibility. Yeah, just a little smidgen bit. Yeah. And this was after a world title match as well, guys. It which was, makes yeah. it even fucking worse. Yeah. Uh, the main event is going to be the WCW World Tag Team titles on the line, which is Lex Luger and Sting versus the Steiner brothers, Rick and Scott Steiner. Uh, again, I'm not going to... I have I have written a little bit, but I'm not going to go into massive detail, partly because my notes went fucking skew with, but also... Um, the, the, well, this, again, it's more angle than match. Yeah. Uh, the, the, one, the one takeaway from me was that I didn't even... I actually walked away when the Steiners were coming out, and... I didn't even notice that Sting and Luger were coming out until they were halfway down the ramp. And the reason being is that because we know that WWE's production, uh, sorry, WCW's production here isn't particularly great. And they don't have like a crossfade between moves. They just jump from one song to the other. Yeah. There's literally no jump between the Steiners and Sting's music. And they sound so fucking alike. Yeah. Like, come on, these little bits. Yeah. You know, just you turn away for a second, you feel like you're listening to the Steiner's music. You know, you turn away for a second, and Sting and Lex Luger are, are on the way to the ring, and I thought they were coming out to 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 the Steiner's music for some fucking reason until I heard "Man Call Sting," and they're like, "Oh, okay, Sting's," but it, it just bled together, and yeah, just little bits of production that really annoy me. Yeah, no, I agree. They 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 always sound very similar. Be same singer, same fucking guitarist, same everything. Yeah, uh, uh, requisite amount of notes changed to make it sound like another song. Uh, it's a Jimmy Hart fucking thing, isn't it, really? I'm not sure it was Jimmy Hart at that point. I think it was somebody else. I know WCW used to do that a lot, though. Mm. Uh, Macho Man is on the phone. I'm surprised Macho Man can even operate a fucking phone. Um, <laughs> <laughs> tells Heenan that he'll be the manager for the opponents to the horseman, which is obviously, what do you call him? Mongreen. Mongreen. That's the one. Um, Heenan says he's got absolutely nothing against Macho Man, while Bischoff just laughs his ass off. Uh, Heenan is devastated as his attempts to coerce Macho into not going to ringside to be a manager at Great American Bash fail, uh, and Heenan's just distraught by this. Yeah, it's literally decent... begging off, and it's fucking so good of Heenan yeah, here. Really slimy. He um... really sells the fear of <laughs> Savage. It's like, and, and and it's just the heel like being hypocritical, which is it, it's always effective. But when it comes from Heenan, it's like ten times more effective than 
than most people, the fact that he's saying that they've not got a problem when he's been bad-mouthing him for fucking <laughs> months on commentary, <laughs> week in, week out. Uh, you know my biggest complaint is Heenan and Fleur and Orin constantly bringing up Savage's money and the divorce and all that. Um, you know, they, they beat it. They beat that dead horse to... Put it this way, if that horse wasn't fucking dead already, it would have died fucking five times over by now. <laughs> right, that's how much they beat the dead horse. Uh, however, like it's worth it for this moment. Absolutely yeah. worth it. Months of bad mouthing, and like we haven't got a personal problem. It's like <laughs> <laughs> just because you don't want to, because you're actually, you know, you don't want to encourage uh, Mon Green because you're legit fucking scared of the guy. And honestly, I can understand Heenan here a little bit because Savage has gone off kilter. He has gone off kilter. I do not want to be fucking five feet away from that guy. I don't want to be 10 feet, 15 feet, 100 feet away from that guy. Mm. You know, because I will not... I wouldn't bet on my chances, put it that way. No, no. Um, it's worth noting here as well that they actually brought a fake telephone out for them to talk into. Oh, yeah. Even <laughs> though it was going through the headsets because, you know, it, it's 1996 and we're not in 1896 here, mate. Yeah, so, a f- fucking uh, Fisher-Price phone. Yeah, and, and, and Heenan's just sort of like, give me the phone, I want to speak to Macho, <laughs> for fuck's sake. He can hear both of you, because it's going through the headsets. Yeah. Anyway, um, I'm the match playing. That, it's, like, it's literally like a Fisher-Price phone. Like, yeah. I, I, I bet there's a fucking smiley face on the dial bit. <laughs> no numbers. <laughs> you just push the nose. <laughs> One. Goes, ring, ring. <laughs> uh, decent contest in the match itself uh, with for the most part, they all stay within the rules and within kind of the wrestling respect, if you like. Uh, Sting gets another Scorpion Death Drop on that still hasn't got a name yet, actually, but they're actually starting to put it over as well. Did you see that? His head just bounced off the mat. Um, Lex attempts a rack on Scott, but Rick gets a kick to the gut, so Lex completely just throws Scott down. Lex attempts a suplex on Scott on the outside to the concrete, but again, Rick saves with another kick to the gut. Both teams fight in the ring then, uh, and Sting and Rick go to the outside. Sting attempts a pal driver onto the concrete, but it's reversed. Giant is out with an awful, awful choke slam on Rick that he just yeah. puts him on the mat, puts him on the carpet. He yeah. doesn't the, he just places him. The worst choke slam ever. It is. It is literally a twelve-year-old's choke slam. I, that, that's giving it way too much fucking credit. Yeah. <laughs> You know, this is me trying to carry a fucking uh, two kilogram bag of flour at work when I'm baking. Like, literally, <laughs> how you put it down on the floor, it just all the weight just goes to the bottom and it just goes frop, you know? Frop! <laughs> frop. <laughs> That's great. I'm all about onomatopoeia, guys. Uh, oh, yeah, man. It, that's literally what he does here. Yeah. He, he, he just. Puts him on the floor. He's this is like, Rick Steiner. Like you could give him a relatively normal choke slam on the floor, and he's gonna know what to do with it. Yeah, like come on. Uh, who was at fault here? Was it the giant or was it Rick Steiner? Because well, I, I think I think it was Steiner. I don't. To Giant's credit, I don't think it was him. I think it was just like the giant just grabs him by the neck and Stein, uh, Rick Steiner just sandbags him. Like he just like it's all dead weight. He he, yeah. he doesn't do anything. He doesn't move. It, well, Rick it, it, foots it, doesn't he? He puts yeah, his foot it, down. But yeah, one thing that I was thinking it. was... It wasn't, it, there was miscommunication at the junction. Like uh, He's going for the short slam. Steiner wasn't ready. Sorry, Rick Steiner wasn't ready. And 
the giant just goes for it and it just doesn't look good. Yeah. One thing you know, I was thinking... Of course, it's not gonna. ...was that um, they'd not cleared the VIP table and I was thinking, was he meant to go through the table? Mm. But they'd not cleared it. So it had the, you know, it had all the food on it and it had all the fucking cutlery and everything like that and he, they had to improv. I don't know. I, I, yeah. I'm just speculating. So, so another audible that just doesn't fucking go right. Yeah, you know, it just looks... There, there's more than enough time for Giant to say, take the chocolate I'm on the floor. You know, quickly. You just clear it yourself, don't you? You're a fucking right. giant. Just Come, one, right. one arm right. swing. Right, seriously. Right. WrestleMania 17. The uh, the giant, the big show, goes for a short slam on Kane. And he goes all the way. Right here on the floor. Rawr! He could have done that here. And Steiner would have been like, okay, I know what you're going for. Yeah. You could have done that. And I just realised there's another good impression to add to my list of impressions. <laughs> I do a good giant impression, big show impression, whatever you want to call it. But yeah, he literally could have just done that, and Steiner would have got the gist, and like he would have been ready for it. If that's yeah. the case, if it was an audible, yeah. Uh, well, as as giant as as completely fucked up, or the, Rick Steiner's completely fucked up, whichever one you want to go with uh, this choke slam, which is is worth watching to be fair on how not to deliver a choke slam. Um, Scott Steiner is sent out over the top uh, and kicks a cameraman. Uh, Lex and Gi- the fucking cameramen. <laughs> no, I, I feel so fucking sorry for them. Like again, unsafe work environment. <laughs> Lex and Giant fight as it's thrown out as a no contest. Uh, Lex rocks the giant a couple of times, but Giant comes back with with just big power moves and, and whips into corners. Uh, Sting and Scott Steiner are now in the ring, and all three of them like treble team the giant. They whip Lex off the rope and he forearms the giant over the top rope to a huge pop, but the giant is still on his feet. Um, going mental. He offers his. Honestly, oh. every time I see the giant do this, like when he goes over the top rope and he lands on his feet every single time, it's so fucking seamless. It's so yeah. fucking good. Yeah. I, I, he, he's always been good at that. Like him and Kane. Kane, you know, when Kane goes on the. Um, when he goes over the ropes to go outside himself. Like, he just does it upside down. Like, he just does, like, a handstand over the ropes. Like, it's so fucking good. Like, Kane, Big Short are more agile than what they get credit for. Yeah, yeah. They're like, the right when, height for it as well, aren't they? Because so it makes when it more natural. Yeah, when they do that as well. But it looks like, these are heavy set guys. Yeah. And they make it look like they're just so light when they do it. It's it's just so aesthetically appealing. Yeah. It's... Yeah, it seemed, yeah, as you said, seamless, just, really yeah, smooth. Just, just have to mention it, because I don't yeah. think we mentioned it before, just how good that actually is. Yeah. Uh, to close this off, uh, Heenan offers his Madden award to Macho Man so that he doesn't turn up at the Great American Bash. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and then he actually says he'll get two of them if he doesn't show up. He's like, please, anything. Um, and then a man that we're referring to currently as The Outsider, which is Razor Ramon, uh, skulks up to the broadcast table slyly and sits Bischoff back down Heenan says I'm getting out of here and goes um, yeah. <laughs> Razor says he's en- he enjoyed himself so much last week he's come back if you want a war you've got one and Bischoff it's your fault you started it Sting comes up from behind Bischoff he quotes Guns and Roses which I popped for massively I saying, completely um, miss that did you? he said okay. do you know where you are? you're in the jungle I didn't yeah. really. You're right. Okay. Yeah. I didn't really take it as much. He was quoting Guns and Roses, but just like saying, like you're in the jungle. You know, if he actually, uh, if he actually said "baby" at the end of that and said, "You're going hoping. down," 
like I would have got it straight away because yeah. top song, great song. But but he did say, "Do you know al- where you are?" Yeah, one of the best rock albums ever, and that song is the opening. It's so indistinguishable. You know, it, I, I am really sad that I overlooked that. You I, can always you know, go back. Just, mm, yeah, <laughs> I, I'll says- go watch it again. He says you want three of the best, but there's only one of you. So let's go one on one right now. Oh my, uh, Razor. In the jungle. <laughs> Razor agrees, but nobody tells me when or how to do anything. I don't know what the fuck accent that was. Uh, he throws the toothpick <laughs> in Sting's face. <laughs> Sting slaps Razor to a massive pop from the crowd, and cops come up from behind Sting to separate them. Razor then says, "I got a big surprise." No, he says, "I've got a little." No wait. I've got a big surprise for you next week, and we go off the air to close off Nitro. Fucking mental. Um, yeah, you know what uh, you said last time. Homo erotic again as well. You know. Yeah. <laughs> but what a you little, said last time about you know, living. I got a little, uh, little. I got a little. No, big surprise for you next week. Like, ooh, what, what, what is this big surprise? <laughs> yeah. All in all, I think there was seven. Seven very homoerotic things happening in this show. Um, yeah, if, if if we if we took a shot for every single homoerotic quote in this, and Regal has three, but it's, it's not one. I'm counting. I'm not counting them as one. They were three. <laughs> uh, yeah, we would both be absolutely pissed. <laughs> yes, we would. Um, as you said in the last one, to be in this uh, timeline. In 19, if you were actually in 1996, you just look. I mean, you can put the shittest nitro on, but that ending is just like, ho ho, things are yeah. fucking heating up, aren't they? Um, the rating this week is a three versus Rose 2.3. And I get to ask you yours, although I've got a, a sneaking suspicion that I kind of know already. It was marginally better than last week's. And I say that very, 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 very lightly, you know, marginally. Um, and. I, I do have to say one thing, you know. Uh, just apologies, apologies to you, Mark, for my, I would say, overreaction of how bad the last week's show was because just taking into account what you said, like, I mean, it, it wasn't, like, the, the matches were poor, but you've got to take these big moments for what they are. I, I will say that it was still, like, badly placed, but, again... No one's gonna remember the matches. I I I will I will I will stand my ground if like if you if you were a WWE fan that was turning over to see Scott Hall turn up on Natural, you're not sticking around after a couple of matches. You're definitely not. But yeah, you are gonna look at look at that and say it might be worth tuning in to next week. Yeah, and that is the point. That is the point. And again, it was the same thing here. Like you you're gonna tune in next week regardless of how bad the matches were. And let's fucking face it, guys. Raw in in 1998 and 99, they were doing this on a weekly basis. The big matches, that sorry, the big moments, and the matches were just the the, the big moments with the headliner and the, the matches with the support. You don't care about the support, yeah. you know. You 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 you'll watch and you'll boo and throw bottles of piss at the support, and it's all worth it when the headliners come on. So I take back everything I said. Yes. The show was bad, but you know what? It, it doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter. We're, we're watching it for the matches, and we're, we're breaking down the matches, but these big moments, they're going to lead to something so much better. So I, I've got to take it back. As bad as the shows are, it's not as bad as I led on. 
You got to look at the. You got to look at the effect. What you're going to remember. I don't remember much on last week's show. I remember Scott Hall turning up. Yeah. I don't. I'm not going to remember much about this show, but I'm going to remember Scott Hall turning up and Sting slapping him. Yeah. You know, it's not about what these shows are. It's what it's going to lead to. And there's th- these shows that it's going to lead to. There's going to be big moments that supersede the show, but there's going to be some really good shows coming up as well. The cruiserweights are going to be showcased. You know, all these top talents are going to be showcased. So, you know, it doesn't really matter if the matches are bad, you know, or or, or good, really. I'm going to remember that they were there, and there's going to be certain bits of the matches that I'm, I'm really going to enjoy, and there's going to be moments from from after the matches that I'm sure we're going to enjoy as well. It's like, it's, it, wrestling isn't always about five-star matches every every week. Like, we're so fucking spoiled in 2021. Like, even, even the worst roles have some really decent matches on. But we've got to remember what we got into wrestling for in the first place. It weren't for the matches, it were for the, for the storylines. Yeah. It wasn't yeah. for the storylines. And the yeah. matches were a support. We're we not... We, we're so, I, I can't say it enough. We're so spoiled in 2021. We're getting all these great matches and we're so disappointed because, you know, we're not getting the, the good storylines on, on WWE side anyway. We're not getting the good storylines. AEW seem to have... You know, to up, up the game of wrestling as a whole by having good storylines as well as good matches. You know, this is what we should be expecting in 2021. But in, in 1996, you know, we... we we just want a good story. We just want yeah. a good story. We want I good mean, stories. And I thought your, I thought your, I, 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 uh, I don't want to really call it criticism, but I, I, I thought for the most part you were right because you can I, see I, at this point WCW is limping over the line. They know where we're going now, right? Yeah. They don't. Okay. Maybe in this moment, you know. So this is the third of June. We we still don't know um, if it's Hogan or if it's Sting because yes. that, that was the idea. Um, they've already got the seeds there that it will be Sting. Even though he slapped Scott all ear, you're still thinking like, well, it could be Sting because he's still they're still fucking him over. Lex is still you know being a dick to him. The Steiners are even being a dick to him now. Um, but we are limping over the line. We're not seeing Rey Mysterio. We're not seeing Chris Benoit. We're not seeing Dean Malenko. We're saving Which is a disappointment. Them. But my, my what I what I harken back to is like you were more defensive of the show than what I was. Like, I was very critical. And even though you actually did agree with me, you were defensive in terms of saying, like, yes, uh, where Scott, the placement of Scott Hall was actually good because it got people in. And I said, like, but they're not sticking around. And that's wrong because even though they're probably not going to stick around for the rest of the show, it's like you've got their interest straight away. The show doesn't matter after that. Yeah. That was basically what your point was. The show yeah. doesn't matter after that. This th- That moment didn't have to end that particular show, but you can't do that on every single show. You, by having Scott Hall at the end of the show here, you've got people that are going to be flicking back and forth hoping to see Scott Hall turn up again and to see whoever is brought with him. And I'm pretty damn sure that they knew that it was going to be Kevin Nash with him because he's also left the WWE at the same time. It yeah. was obvious that it was going to be Kevin Nash. They're waiting for Kevin Nash to turn up. So you've got their interest. That's all you need. You know, you've got them through the door and it doesn't matter that the the, the wrestling wasn't great. You are going to see little snippets of people that are going to interest you. I mean, if you're turning, tuning in to see Scott Hall this week, you're going to see Stephen Regal and you're going to look at that promo after that match and and think, okay, you know, this guy's a heel and it was entertaining. 
He was entertaining as a heel. You know, you're going to see the Steinemarus and you're going to see Sting and Lex Luger at the end. You're going to look at them and say, yeah, you know, okay, it was... It, it it wasn't a finish that we wanted, but it was entertaining for what we saw. The six minute match, it was good. Hmm. And if if you're not if you don't know who Ice Train is, then you're just gonna see the giant demolition. So you know, fuck my feelings here. The the people that are tuning in to watch to watch this in 1996 are gonna see the giant fuck over a guy that could realistically go toe to toe toe to toe with him. Yeah. You know, so in effect, it works. You know, I, it, what I'm saying is, is my perspective of it is that I'm, 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 I'm not looking at it, at it retroactively. I'm looking at it as like I'm watching a wrestling show now. You know, right. I want to see Alex Wright. I want to see Chris Benoit. I want to see Dean Malenko. You know, I want to see Eddie Guerrero. And I'm not seeing these guys. Yeah. You know, that, so for me, it's a, it, it's a disappointment. But it's work. It worked at the time. And that is what I need to remind myself. I've yeah. got to put myself in these moments and say, you know what? You know, it's 1996 and this is what they're doing. This is what they're trying to do. And this is where, where it's working. Well, this is what they're up against. So the raw results are, um, as the King of the Ring is coming up, we've got a King of the Ring qualifying match, which is Steve Austin defeating Bobby Holly via submission with the Million Dollar Dream. Right. That, by the way... By the way, you you cross over, but that would have been a fucking good match as well. Steve Austin versus Bob Holly, I'd love to see that. Mankind defeated Barry Horowitz with the mandible claw, and after the bout, Jim Ross interviewed Mankind at ringside. Uh, Henry Godwin and Phineas Godwin with Hillbilly Jim defeated Techno Team 2000, who I have seen and I still love. Uh, <laughs> Henry Godwin hit the slop drop, uh, which I don't know that as a finisher, but I need to fucking I need to. Google that. Um, Sonny also did uh, guest commentary for that bout. During the match, the Body Donners gave out an address to write to for those looking to become their new manager. Interesting. Uh, King of the Ring qualifying match here as well. Uh, Jake Roberts defeated Hunter Hearst Helmsley with a DDT. This is definitely 1996, and this is definitely after the curtain call incident. Other segments. This included a uh, an opening se- segment in which the WWF president, Gorilla Monsoon, announced that Armand Johnson would face Goldust for the Intercontinental title at the King of the Ring as a result of last week's altercation. Uh, it featured the announcement that the Shawn Michaels-David Boy Smith rematch would take place also at the King of the Ring, and it included Vince McMahon conducting an in-ring interview with Goldust. It also featured Clarence Mason calling in and stating that even though the lawsuit against Shawn Michaels was thrown out, he plans to sue Gorilla Monsoon for aggravated assault and battery. Cool. And as you probably know by now, you can catch us on all the usual social media channels. We're on Twitter, we're on Reddit, we're on Facebook, and we're on Instagram at NitrogenCast. You can find us on every single one of those. You can also find us on every major podcast platform, Apple, Google, Spotify, Amazon. We're on all of them. Just check us out. You'll find us on Linktree, L-I-N-K-T-R.ee forward slash NitrogenCast. And that will be it from me, Marvelous Mark Ashworth, and from my man, Brian Bradshaw, over there. Um, you can follow us on Twitter if you like, H-E-6-R-T-6-G-R-6-M for me. And if you would like to follow me on Twitter, I have streamlined it a little bit to make it easier. You can find me at Brian Talks Crap. It's a lot easier to spell than Das Accent Kid, which is also spelled completely wrong. So yeah, hit me up on Twitter if you want to discuss anything, or even if you just want to talk crap, like I do, at Brian Talks Crap. We'll see you again for another episode of the Nitrogen Podcast. Thanks for listening. Drip like fantastic guy.